This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 1965 for Friday, July 31st, 2020. Right at the tail end of July, getting it in at the 11th hour. Here we are. That's Adam on the other line. I'm here. Doing this live on Jitsi. Yeah. Social distancing. Mm-hmm. As uh, King Fauci tells us to do. I can't believe we have to go back to this. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was... <sighs> We have a choice to not do this. We could say, hey, we don't feel like social distancing if we really want to. Of course. Yeah. yeah. My body, my choice, man. But, you know, we're doing this for <laughs> we're doing this for the good of, of humanity. I've been traveling. You've been traveling. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on airplanes and high risk areas. So we figured mm-hmm. this might be a smart idea, even yeah. though we got our tests and you haven't gotten your results back, but I'm pretty sure I am negative and. We're pretty sure you're negative too, but I actually feel better now than I did when I was in California. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It'd be amazing if I had it. I'd actually be quite surprised and be, and you know, it's just in a way I kind of wish I did. Uh, why? Just to get it out of the way, you know, right, we're all gonna, right. you know, it's good. The, the, the apocalypse is coming. It's gonna, <laughs> this, this virus is going to get us eventually. So just, you know, just give up. Just bracing for impact here. <laughs> just take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had, I had feeling, you know, I was very cathartic watching the blob last night. Cause it was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this, this, this is a lot like what's going on. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Wonderful movie, by the way. Is oh it? my wonderful movie. I was very, very, very happy watching that. It's the one. first time you'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm quite familiar with the, the, I don't, 1953, 54. I don't know when the blob with Steve McQueen came out. It's, it's, it's a fifties film, but, uh, this one was so much better. Oh my God. I loved it. I absolutely uh, loved 1958 it. 1958 was the original. 58. Okay. 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 Yeah. Steve McQueen's first film. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah really yeah okay isn't that weird very yeah i mean i guess it makes sense like back in the day b movies were the way to break in yeah certainly especially at that point in time but it's funny that ronald reagan acted with a monkey at one point you know oh god that's right (laughs) gotta pay the bills somehow yeah yeah shameless every one of them i think uh yeah this one was pretty awesome i have to admit yeah so who directed the new one Chuck Russell, who's directed many things, uh, the Scorpion King being one of those movies, and you know, one of those great, things. One yes. of those. It's a well, it's a great film, of course. Uh-huh. A, a no. sequel to a prequel to a remake, I think. Yes, <laughs> it's it's very confusing. I don't mind the Scorpion Kings, whatever. Looks um, like he also did a Nightmare on Elm Street three, which is awesome. Nightmare on Elm Street three is actually quite good. Um, uh-huh. Uh. What else did he do, though? I'm actually unfamiliar. The Mask? Oh, The Mask's all right. All right. The Mask's kind of fun. Cameron Diaz's debut? This might be my favorite movie that Chuck Russell has done. But uh, it's written by Frank Darabont. So. Word. Which, which you can tell when you're, when you're watching it. It's like, oh, I mean, you know, it, it serves its B-movie purposes, but the script's not bad. So is Frank Darabont just done? What's his deal? What's he doing? God, I don't know. I they have fired no him for The Walking Dead and he's like, I can't take it. I just can't take it. How does that happen? You make like one of the most beloved movies of all time and then like 
you just you, you can't recover at all. I don't know. Well, I think the problem was he became a little too intertwined with Stephen King, and he <laughs> became like the Stephen King whisperer for a while. Is that it? He went That's- right from Shawshank into the Green Mile. And then I think he does a movie in 2001. It's called The Majestic mm-hmm. with Jim Carrey. And then the next movie he does is The Mist in 2007. And it's like, yeah, Darabont back doing what we want him to do. And that's adapting Stephen King novels. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I guess Walking Dead happens. And then he left the show. And now he's in TV land, I guess, or TV limbo. I guess TV limbo, but the thing is, like, it, it's just because he he didn't get along well with the producers and some of the creative higher ups. Because I love that first those those first I love the first season of The Walking Dead. I, I certainly the love the first season of The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, and the, certainly the episodes that he directed are are kind of remarkable. I think he just did the pilot. I could be wrong about that though. That pilot is awesome. It's, it's really awesome. good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, where where the hell are you, Frank Darabont? Uh, he did a show, I guess, on TNT called Mob City. Yep. He did one episode of that. And uh, yeah, that's it. There's nothing on the IMDb page. He did rewrites on the first Godzilla remake. He's been, well, he's Edwards one. He's been known to pick up scripts and re- do like uh, runs of them every once in a while. That's, I guess, kind of where he, he, I guess, his income is just doing <laughs> rewrites for screenplays. Kind of weird, uh, but. Yeah, he did The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Went on kind of an Indiana Jones binge since we were gone. Went through all the movies. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. We have uh, not spoken in over two weeks. I think it's That's been three weeks, right? Um, it has, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the two of us combined have been in all four U.S. time zones, or at least yeah. uh, lower 48 U.S. Yeah. time zones that is true you got out to the west coast you went to dallas too for a day right yeah well we had no choice because the fucking airplane left without us which airline american call them out baby put them on blast oh Oh, we did yeah we did my mom was uh, quite um passionate about making them look like idiots on social media so there was that so there was that world famous podcast is speaking about them yeah american airlines can go fuck themselves and bury their head in the dirt Man, I've never seen such bad customer service. It was it was unbelievable. How they weird is ha- flying these days? How weird is it? Yeah, because yeah, you didn't do any flying. Um, oh, no, I did lots of flying. Oh, you did? I was on two flights. Wow. Okay, yeah, it was bizarre and uncomfortable. The people, it's not so much like, I understand the air- airline's going to say, wear your mask, do all this other shit. And it's uncomfortable wearing a mask for two hours. But um, yeah. Uh, the people sitting next to you are so stingy that that's what was getting me. Like people wanted to stay as far away from you as possible, but you weren't always allowed because the, the flights were frequently packed and yeah, yeah, it was just uncomfortable. I was on, I think, uh, three flights or three airplanes total. Mm-hmm. Two out of the three of them did not have a single open seat. The third one was nice and roomy. It was only like a half hour connecting flight. The first two you are packed in there like sardines. I thought that they were flipping the middle seat. That was the one idea that I heard batted around, but no, not the case. You're just going to sit three inches away from another human being's face and you're both going to have masks on as though that's going to help. It doesn't make any difference. Even if they're going to flip that one seat though, you got to be honest with yourself. It's not going to make a difference. I, I, I don't know. I feel like 
it's no, at least an no, attempt. No, of course it's not. <laughs> What's You're going on a- right now is not an attempt. You know what You're, I'm saying? No, no, exactly. But but the the attempt isn't even an attempt. It is an excuse of an attempt. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Like it flipping is a, PR a suit, stunt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's so just to say we're trying. It's like yeah, fuck you. You're not doing anything. It right. doesn't make a single difference. Yeah. You know. It, 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 point is, everyone's dead. Right. Point is, every, everyone's every, dead, and let's just live dead. with it. Let's just play the music as the Titanic six. <laughs> just go out the way we intended, the way that we yeah. lived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It, what? Yeah. See, it's funny because in this time, uh, there's a when watching the boys, there's many scenes, or not many scenes, but there's a couple scenes where some airplanes get shot down. And it was kind of freaking me out. Do your thing on the boys. You're addicted oh, the bo- to the boys, right? I, I have never been so in love with a TV show. At least not in a, not since Fargo have I been so in love with a TV show. Wow, high praise. I loved the boys. But it's sort of like grossly Adam. It's hard for me to recommend to someone who's a simpleton like you, Nico. A snob like you. Oh, yeah. Someone a simpleton, who a Philistine, yeah, a Philistine. That's correct. Yeah. Is <laughs> someone, someone who, you know, likes things a little more plain, you know, like if you're going <laughs> to, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you're talking about like seasoning the meat, uh, yeah, the, the boys is, is, um, it's like burning your taste buds off. Yeah. No, it's, it, it I can, of course, not appreciate just uh, the genius of a TV show about superheroes that curse. I mean, really, that's just high that's art. not what it is. Though. It's just high art. No, it's just truly, you know, I understand that I wouldn't get it. But just like superheroes that swear and fuck. I mean, what a what a concept That's not what it is even remotely, though. That's that's why it's so interesting to me. Okay. You'd be the, the most most of the 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 vulgarity between those people. I mean, it's sort of like spread evenly throughout. And I mean, they're just they're just you know buffoons and psychopaths. And the whole notion is, what would happen if superheroes were a thing today? How would they be treated by the media and the government? And it was like I was like just falling in love with that alone because it's so accurate to the at least the way that I would picture it. You know. Mm-hmm. it's it's like I, I i mentioned to you over text it is a i mean it's a satire in the purest form uh somewhere in between election and starship troopers and the more i thought about that the more pretty much spot on that is oh my god yeah 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 okay but yeah. so you're saying it's more like satirical than it is just um self-aware like deadpool it's not deadpool no 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 it's not like that at all okay it's essentially what Zack Snyder was going for, oh, but no. failed miserably with, with his man of steel and Batman V Superman, like okay. de- deconstructing the real life scenario of what it means to be a superhero today. Yeah. And saying like, yeah, um, if they were to come down, they would be monsters. If right. we were to have them all of a sudden, they would be crazy people, uh, <laughs> which is not a great Avenue to take when you're adapting Superman. Uh-huh. Um, but it works perfectly well here. It works. Is this fact, a comic book? Yeah, it's based off of a Garth Ennis comic who did Preacher and a few Judge Dread runs. Oh, people uh, love the Preacher too. I know. Well, I I don't know how the TV show is, but the the comic is is like one of the most beloved things in comics. So, wow. 
Uh, I love this show, by the way. Uh, you might check out at the scene where a character named Popclaw kills her landlord from sitting on his face as he eats out her butt and pops <laughs> his head with between her thighs on accident from climaxing. So, and then turns around to realize that she has crushed his skull <laughs> in between her thighs. She's a superhero, by the way, and this he is, is not. This is so not my thing. Yeah. Uh, this is it, so not me, and it's so you. <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm not even going to sully it. I'm just going to let you have it. <laughs> well, season let you two, have it. Season two is coming out, though. There is, there is one thing you would absolutely adore. It's I... I I, I almost don't even want to spoil it. Just look up the deep saves saves dolphin. You want me to do this now or later? I I mean it, I don't not sure how if it would be good podcast material. Okay, but, I'll watch it later. Okay, the deep saves dolphin. <laughs> One of the funniest ideas I've ever. It's like a non sequitur. It, it's over and done with within like I don't know two minutes. Um. It's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's 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 just as funny as it is disturbing, but like oh my god, it's great. This is a character who's like a fill-in for Aquaman. He's he's Aquaman but not Aquaman essentially. It's just and there's there's characters that translate like there is a Superman that's not Superman, a Batman that's not Batman, so on and so forth. Uh but yeah, this was the Aquaman fill-in trying to save a dolphin and <laughs> I will never forget it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. I'm just going to give it a hard pass, and I'm not even going to, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, like, hate on you for liking it. So I, I'm just going to let you have your thing and just, you know. I mean, I'm happy I'm not alone. It's like, a well, and I'm, I'm, surpri- I'm actually surprised by how many people like this show because it is. Yeah, it, it just, is pretty beloved. It's like I've heard a lot about it. It's so, like just raunchy and kind of mean-spirited but like so like like twistedly funny but at the same time like it's not a comedy either that's the other thing it's it's uh i mean i guess it's closer to kick-ass but it's a little more it's a little more serious than kick-ass i would say it certainly gets more bleak and cynical than that movie ever does so right right yeah you can have it yeah don't ask don't tell baby you just what? have it and I don't want to know anything about it. I, I well I, I was getting at a scene with the airplanes where one of the the, the lead biggie big bad superheroes, they, they there's a plane that's being hijacked by some terrorists and the Homelander, that's the Superman villain, he's called Homelander. He comes in with his sidekick, not Wonder Woman, to to save the plane. <laughs> and in the process of trying to kill the the um the terrorists, he shoots his laser beams through like the the computer of the plane. So it's basically going down. And instead of saving all the passengers, they're like, Well, we're not gonna be able to save all these people in time, so we're just gonna get the fuck out of here. And they let the plane crash. So So yeah. I saw Palm Springs this week. <laughs> oh, how it's how was that? How was that? <laughs> Delightful little movie. I actually watched it with Nick when I was uh, when I was out there in Cincy. I, I just like haven't it? had a lot of time to watch anything. So, well, I, I'll tell you what. I watched two movies actually: Eurovision Song Contest. Oh God, the Can't story of Fire Saga. <laughs> I have a buddy who worked on that movie. So. Really? Yeah, buddy from England. Who? Oh, uh, did they I, shoot it over there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it was a PA for for the film. He might have even done some like on set photography. But yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he worked on the film a little bit, which was kind of interesting. Did he have any comments about it? He was just happy that the movie got made. Okay, 
is all over his is tw- uh, not Twitter, his Instagram. No qualitative judgments on like. Uh, I I mean I don't know. Is it an amazing movie? Nico? No, it's a really bad movie. Okay, it's really really bad. <laughs> And I, I, it's best not to really go much further than that. Uh, I just, I've never seen just such a great talent wasted on such a shit script before. It's so bad, dude. Um, what? Why do you still put merit into Will Ferrell nowadays? He's I not don't a know. Good, I don't he's know. He's not a good. He's not a good talent anymore. He sucks. He's terrible now, and that's okay to admit. It's crazy though, man. Yeah, that dude was just like throwing just a hundred and four every time in like the early two thousands. Yeah, and I, I, you're, I, I don't disagree with that, but I mean, man, like, like I've been out of Will Ferrell, the Will Ferrell thing, since like, like Step Brothers. Like, I mean, just, I guess he's been doing nothing but Daddy's Home movies over the last yeah, five or dude. ten years, right? With Mel Gibson, eventually, <laughs> right? Like, what? Yeah, dude, Will Ferrell is has been ungood for a very long time. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. You know what the problem with Will Ferrell is? It's like if it, it's actually similar to the Jim Carrey problem. Neither of them can go Bill Murray. <laughs> Not, oh, where they can make that turn. Neither of them can just play it straight and have their essence speak for itself. I like suppose. that's something that Bill Bur- Murray can do. Like Bill Murray can go wacky and over the top. And that's what Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey have done, or at least did at the first like five to 10 movies of their career. But now they're getting older and they have sort of lost their fastball and they're being asked to sort of become a finesse pitcher and, yeah. you know, just sort of exist and let your presence be the comedy. Like when yeah. Bill Murray is just Bill Murray as himself is always funny and he just understands this is what my persona is. Will Ferrell's persona is so much tied to Ron Burgundy and so much tied to Betty, uh, Buddy the Elf. And yeah. Jim Carrey similarly is so much tied to Ace Ventura that now they're older and they're just expected to be funny on their own and they, they can't do it anymore. Well, they're doing their shtick, you know, and, and even when. But it's not a funny shtick. That's what I'm starting to realize that the, not any, the Will well, Ferrell shtick was never funny. <laughs> Ron Burgundy was funny, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. It's a but the elf was funny. It's entirely the character. I mean, I don't know. I have not seen Sonic the Hedgehog, so I can't speak for <laughs> Jim Carrey's most recent Dr. Eggman. People seem to like him in that movie. But I've I'm, heard I'm sh- similar things. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I, I think it's worse with um, uh, Will Ferrell, though. There are times still where I can be somewhat amused by Jim Carrey. I, 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 dude, yeah, I really haven't been there with Will Ferrell in quite a while. Let's look at the last couple movies here. Uh, Downhill, I did not see yet. Julia yeah, Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, Between Two Ferns, the movie, and Practical Jokers, the movie. Can't believe both of those exist. Uh, a movie called Zeroville from last year. Yikes. No good. Holmes and Watson. Oh, which was like a, a massive disaster. A Razzie, uh, just a, a force of nature at the Razzies. Mm-hmm. my god daddy's home to the house but see these are all movies where he just sort of stares into the camera with that will ferrell face it's not funny it's really not funny get it's, hard oh the movie sucked oh, anchorman 2 is his last legitimate hit which was okay i didn't the mind campaign anchorman. in 2012 is not good yeah i saw that one megamind 
Okay. Two Megamind movies? Yeah, dude, his track record, I think, speaks for itself. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but Will Ferrell, uh-uh. Man, Eurovision is not good. Yeah. The best part of that movie is Dan Stevens. I like Dan Stevens in the movie a lot. Oh, okay. I like Dan Stevens in most things. Rachel McAdams is fine, I guess. And, she was good uh, in Game Night. Oh, great in Game Night. Yeah. Game Night is the low-key comedy hit of the decade, though. <laughs> that movie is fucking awesome. It's the quietest, like, great comedy. Yes, yeah. I really like that movie. Yeah. Jesse Plemons is unbelievable in that movie. <laughs> one of the... Man, it's one of my favorite characters I've ever seen. That movie should have... That, that performance should have gotten nominated for an Oscar. Most of it is visual. I would, but like just seeing him s- deliver his lines seriously <laughs> while str- like stroking his dog. So I heard you guys were having a game night. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know if you want me to come over. <laughs> you and I are totally on the same page about game night. <laughs> I fucking love it. Totally. Yeah. yeah really. Uh, good. Anyway, though, no, uh, Palm Springs. I have nothing to say about Palm Springs that has not been said already. I think okay. it's super fun. It was, I believe, the um, uh, the highest earning Sundance acquisition ever. Highest contract to, to buy that movie. Neon Pictures bought that movie and they're coming off of a best picture win with Parasite. So they're definitely doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, good. I, I think like if movie theaters had not been shut down for the past five months and you know, this was the first decent movie that audiences had seen. I don't think we'd be going as crazy about it. It's still a very good movie. Um, it is, I will just say without spoiling anything, a twist on a science fiction trope, one that we have seen many times and it's sort of disguised as a romantic comedy and there are elements of romantic comedy in there but it is uh, definitely high concept and it is one that I think you would enjoy quite a bit, Adam. And I would recommend not knowing anything going into it. Okay. All right. I did like a list while I was gone of like my ranking, the best sci-fi films of the, uh, of the 2010s. So, Oh, I, I wonder add, what's on that one. I got to add that one. Okay. Looper's on that one. Oh, good. Alien, that's a great Alien one. Covenant's on that one. It's the very last slot. But. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. What are my bottoms? I got to check that out. My bottom. <laughs> One of the good lists I saw that you put on there was movies that are just not for you. And I think I may I steal that idea. I think I got rid of that too. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Why? I, it, I don't know. It's not, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I got rid of it. I thought it made perfect sense. Eh, no. It's just movies that are critically adored or adored by audiences that you just don't get, but you recognize are good that wasn't true though. Like there are movies on that list that I didn't think were good. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this. Oh, I thought I got it. I, I want to steal that idea. There's a you couple movies on this list that I think I, that we're going to talk about today that I would put on that list. Yeah. My bottom. Okay. My bottom five from 24 to 20 alien covenant, uh, rise of the planet of the apes monsters. That, that's a, rise of the planet. of the apes is okay. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. What? And, and then Inception. Yeah. That's in your bottom five? Yeah, yeah. Do you not like Edge of Tomorrow? I like it fine. I was under the impression you loved Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, I think it's uh, underrated in the sense that it was like a pretty good movie that maybe wasn't seen by enough people. It's uh, it's a little 
the disposable in the realm of science fiction. I watched me. that movie at the gym. I was on the treadmill and they were showing it on in the uh, movie theater room and I just got sucked in. I fucking love that movie. It's okay. It's okay. Bill Paxton's great in it. Bill Paxton's probably my favorite thing about that movie. That's one of his last roles too. Yeah. What were you thinking? Blunt. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise as a dick. I love that yeah. movie. Tony Gilroy. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not as into the the Tom Cruise shtick in that, or the Emily Blunt thing that whatever she's doing. I don't know. It didn't really work on me. Oh, then maybe, yeah, it's okay. Maybe you but, won't like Palm Springs. Spoiler alert. Anyway, let's go on. What is it? Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't have to say that. It's a time loop movie. It's a time loop okay. movie. Oh, so, oh, oh! By the way, Looper. Lo- where the fuck is Looper? Because like, that that because talk about time loop films. Well, I, fucking... I don't consider Looper. A, I, that's more of a time travel movie than a time loop movie. The yeah, time loop movie specifically, you're repeating the same day. Over oh, okay, and over again, okay, right. Yeah, because if it's time travel and it's not done particularly well, like in that movie, even though it's I like not Looper. a huge spoiler, you find out in the first fifteen minutes what Palm Springs is about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. Sixteen is Looper. Fifteen, Annihilation. Fourteen, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I am 13, not interested in this list. The lobster, and I, su- and I suspect the audience isn't either. I think they are, dude. Because all of these movies we have talked about at length. You should see Dread. Dread's on that list. Is Blade Runner twenty forty nine number one. No, it's not. Yes, it is number one. I think Under the Skin is number two. Okay. Yeah, we get it. We, you like those movies. Uh, Nineteen sixty five. <laughs> Do you have anything else to talk about? I saw The Vast of Night. Oh, yeah. You liked it? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> oh, good. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still not sure if it's great, if it's technically a great movie. Um, there's a lot of really amazing things about it. It's, it's, it's more the movie I was, you know, I, I needed given, you know, how parched I've been of movies this, these past couple months. It's, it's just a breath of fresh air. So, yeah. I'm with Pretty you. awesome. It's, it's my number one. So far. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, slim pickings, but sure. Exactly. Sure. Uh, 1965. Class of 1965. Uh, Five movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. They are Pedro Lefou. 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 Pedro Lefou. Pedro Lefou. Cat Baloo. Cat Baloo. The Pawnbroker. Repulsion. And the hills are alive. With the sound of music. Those are your five nominees. Okay. I think a weak year. <laughs> I don't. I did, uh, well, maybe. I think these movies are all uh, uh, have a place. I mean, I love most of them on the list. Okay. I have I have feelings about other. Well, I lo- I love three out of the five, and then the other two I have just like thoughts on. I don't really dislike any of these movies though. I mean, spoiler. I mean, one of them, I have no idea what I feel about it, but okay. let's let's get there. I think I know what you're talking about with all of yeah. them. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Uh, highest grossing movie of that year. Is The Sound of Music? Correct. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. Number two, Dr. Zhivago, three Thunderball, four, the, those magnificent men and their flying machines. Number five, The Great Race. Again. Thunderball number three. Weak year. I mean, I, I don't mind Thunderball, but like, hmm. Okay, that's a weak year. Uh, nominees for Best Picture. Darling, Dr. Shivago, Ship of Fools, A Thousand Clowns, 
and your winner is The Sound of Music. Robert Wise wins Best Director for The Sound of Music. Lee Marvin wins Best Actor <laughs> for Capaloo. Julie Christie wins Best Actress for Darling. Martin Balsam wins Best Supporting Actor for A Thousand Clowns. And Shelley Winters wins Best Supporting Actress for A Patch of Blue. We'll talk about okay. all of those as we get to them. Uh, honorable mentions. Two movies that have exclamation points at the end of their titles. Help! Love that movie. You know, that is a real cultural blind spot for me, both as a movie fan and the fan of the Beatles. I have just not seen most of the Beatles movies. Really? You haven't? Oh, yeah. did, did you watch A Hard Day's Night? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. And I like A Hard Day's Night quite a bit. Yeah, so do I. Um, but I love, I also love Help, though. Help's pretty dope. I just need to do all of them on a weekend. Dude, Beatles skiing and like people chasing after them. What's the movie where they cast the Bee Gees as the Beatles? And they had the Bee Gees singing Beatles songs. Oh, God. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh <laughs> I my need God, to what see is that? that one. Apparently, it's really bad. What is that? Because I've seen it. I've seen the You've movie. You've seen it? And it was like an acid trip of an experience because I was like 10. Um, Sergeant Pepper. What? Is it Sergeant Pepper? Okay. Or no, wait a minute. Is it? It might I, be. It might be. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it could be. What the fuck is the movie? Yeah, that might be exactly what I, it is. I googled the Bee Gees, the Beatles movie. Or movie. Here we go. What is it? Yeah, it's Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez. Yeah, I like. Um, if we're talking about good acid trip experiences, I do like uh, Yellow Submarine. Okay. I saw that a lot. It's the first Beatle mo- movie I ever saw. So. That's so crazy. You've seen so many of these. I, yeah. Well, my dude, my mom is a Beatles girl. Okay. Beatles fanatic, so she has sat us down and made us watch it. Luckily, they're pretty much all the ones that, aside from Sergeant Pepper, they're all pretty much good. So, okay, all right, I got to do that then. Uh, also, another exclamation point movie: that darn cat, which is on Disney Plus, I believe. No, strange you think, one. You think Darren Aronofsky saw these movies and you, said, "You know what? <laughs> you know what? I know exactly how I'm going to stylize my film title." <laughs> That's it. Mother. That darn mother. <laughs> Thunderball. Yeah. For a few dollars more. A movie that I adore. Yeah. Good one. I didn't really think there was much to talk about there. I think when we get to good, bad and the ugly, we'll, you know, hash all that stuff out. Yeah. Unfortunately, next to, I mean, at least one movie on this list. I mean, it's, it is better than that one movie. It is. What's new? Pussycat came out that year. Never. First Woody Never. Allen script. Is that true? Yeah. Apparently, it's terrible. All right. Woody okay. Allen stars with Peter Sellers. Oh, and interesting. It's got all the makings of a classic, and apparently, it's just awful. Uh, right. And look, I know Doctor Shivago should be here, and it's not. But I just didn't have the patience for David Lean this week. That, I just didn't. See, I love David Lean. I've just been David. very tired and. Like I was on a plane and I just wanted to watch Hero Vision and I just didn't have the patience to watch four fucking hours of Dr. Shivago. Dude, David Lean's the best. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I'm a Philistine. Well, I, I had the the bright idea of not nominating. I could have nominated that yeah. if I wanted to, but I chose not to. I think you made the right move there. Well, well <laughs> for my sanity, not, at least. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to get into this so bad. Okay. Uh, National Film Registry, two movies. What are they? 
It's the sound of music. Uh-huh. <laughs> and thank you for that. Uh, uh, visual joke, audience. Um, uh, is it the pawnbroker? It is the pawnbroker. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. That was your two. Okay. Pero le foie. What is it? Le, le fou? fou. Le fou? Pero le fou. Pero le fou. Le fou. That is French for Perot the Madman. Yep. Written and directed by Jean-Luc Godard, starring Jean-Paul Belmondo, reuniting with Godard after Breathless, just five years earlier. And uh, Anna Karina. Perot escapes his boring society and travels from Paris to the Mediterranean Sea with Marianne, a girl chased by hitmen from Algeria. They lead an unorthodox life, always on the run. It's Godard. It's another lovers on the run story. Yep. You know, I'm a sucker for a lovers on the run story. Are you a sucker for this kind of lovers on the run story? Yeah. Okay. I think I am. All right. Yeah. I I think, you know what? Uh, By force, I have become a Godard fan. You know, by brute strength, you have forced me into it. And the funny thing is you're not a huge Godard fan. But, you know, I think your plan has sort of backfired on you here. I wouldn't say that. I just, I got, I was just interested in seeing it. This has been on my list for a very long time. You know, I've always wanted to see this movie, you know? So it's like, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, Yeah. um, What the hell was I, was I going to say? Eh, I don't remember. (laughs) Disregarding that thought. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's backfired. I'm not like a, a Godard hater. I just... His his style just doesn't quite vibe with me, but I don't get like upset by those who do like him. Or what what like part of the style doesn't vibe with you? Uh, I mean, I I I think his movies are very aware that they're movies, no matter what he's trying to do. They're oh, not sure. ex- they're not transportive experiences whatsoever. The entire time you're watching it, it's it's almost as if Godard is sitting next to you and editing the film as you go mm. and and commenting on the film as you go or sometimes so writing the film as you go. <laughs> yeah. And these movies feel like they have no direction. Um Oh, I don't think that's true. I, I no, think I think I, I think I, they are um purposefully uh uh I, I don't know flippant towards film tropes. But I, I don't think they lack direction. I think and sometimes they are spitting in the face of traditional direction. But that's kind of what I'm getting at. It, it, it feels like he's, like, I, like I've said before, he's, he's trying to be deliberately subversive at pretty much every turn, mm-hmm. which doesn't always work for me. It's like subversion for the sake of subversion, which is why sometimes it feels like it's directionless. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, but again, it's, his films are movies that you watch and you just kind of let them work on you as best you can, despite the janky qualities to all of them. Yeah. You try I, to ignore, you, you sort of feel Godard like sitting next to you in the theater, just whispering like, Hey, aren't movies cool? How about this movie? Don't you mm. love movies? And you have to but sort of like shake off that sensation. The the yeah, I guess. The problem is that it seems like he hates movies sometimes. Oh, okay. That that's kind of evident with like contempt, which another movie again, another instance that I don't I don't necessarily love that movie, but I find it I find the qualities admirable at times, just as an artistic piece. And same with Breathless. Breathless is actually still, I think, my favorite one of his movies, even mm-hmm. though I'm not like a huge Breathless fan. I definitely like Breathless more than this, no question. Don't know how I feel about this movie. I don't love it, and I don't hate it. It's it's pure la fou. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
It's Godard. Yeah, um, Godard was a former film critic, um, mm-hmm. and I think, like, uh, you know, much like Peter Bogdanovich, who we talk about a lot, like, you can feel a lot of self-awareness in his movies, and you can feel sort of this reverence towards, maybe not even reverence, but just awareness towards the history of film. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, uh, those guys like to spit in the face of what they find uh, a pretty tired, trite Hollywood system. Um, that's what sort of the French new wave was all about. And like, I respect that. And I'm sure you respect it at a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I didn't like this one as much as breathless. I found breathless to be a lot sleeker, a lot cooler, a lot sexier. Um, and I found this one to be a little more meandering, but I admire a lot of the same stuff in this movie that I did in breathless. And that's just like a, a very firm grasp at the edit. And, uh, you know, a real like improvisatory quality. Um, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I, this is sort of well known. Most of Godard's movies are written on the fly. Sometimes the script is written the day before shooting. Um, and that's why scenes sort of feel like they are there to advance the plot, but they end up not advancing the plot. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's funny. It's a movie where it's like, I was never confused by what was going on, yet literally every 20 seconds I was saying, huh? Well, you were confused more That's, by the tone than you were the, yeah, the yeah, plot, yeah. right? Well, th- there's, there are choices that just make me go like, what the fucking hell is that? Yeah. Like, the, like them putting on the play for the, for, the, for the soldiers. Oh, right, yeah. Which I couldn't tell was the funniest thing I've ever seen or the cringiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And maybe I I think maybe that's why his films don't vibe with me ever is because I'm always like stuck in this limbo phase where it's like, I, I think I know what he's doing here. Right. But that's just it. I think I know. It's not like, I gotcha, man. I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's like, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that one day it's, it's going to click. It'll snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just hasn't clicked yet. I think if you see enough of his movies, you'll you'll probably sort of recognize a similar style. I'm sure. actually looking forward to watching more of his movies, quite frankly, because, yeah. mm-hmm. again, I, I do find them to be, you know, uh, adventurous and sexy and, and cool looking. And uh, I, I mean, I think the, the, the best part of them is how dismissive they are towards society and how sort yeah. of rebellious they feel without mm-hmm. being like, outwardly rebellious without being like Zack Snyder rebellious, you know what I mean? Like they are, they are movies that, uh, you know, flip the bird towards society while still maintaining an element of class and like beauty. And I I think that's what I find really attractive about them. I guess. And that maybe that's another contrast that I've never loved because it always feels like Godard is uh, putting, putting himself above people for that. Mm hmm. There, there is, there's sort of an inherent pretentious quality to him. Certainly, and, and it's, it's that's a that's a hard thing for me to separate. Where it's like he's talks about saying "fuck you" to everybody, but at the same time he's saying like, you know, I there's there's even instances in this movie where he says like, "we need money to live" and whatnot, and mm-hmm. still kind of abides by some of the the the, the constraints of formula. Because the thing is, is that like, like it goes pretty much exactly where you would think it would go. It's just how it gets there is so bizarre, mm-hmm. but like it, it is pretty much a standard lovers on the run story at the oh, end yeah. of the day. Yeah. If you look at like the broad outline of everything. So, but again, just as his, you're watching it though, the, the broad outline is not totally evident. Like it's only no. in hindsight where you're like, Oh yeah. Like 
It was just about a bunch of gangsters chasing this woman because she stole their money. But when you're watching it in the moment and she like delivers the musical number in the apartment and then it pans over to the dead guy with a scissor in the back of his neck. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, what is going on here? Like, what kind of fever dream am I living in? I mean, it's sort of similar to the David Lynch experience, although they are two very different filmmakers in many ways. It's like when you take a step back and you just read the Wikipedia synopsis of a David Lynch movie, it makes perfect sense to you. But as you're watching it in the moment, it's like, wow, like movies, man. <laughs> Where is it's this def- movie taking me, you know? Oh, it's it's a trip. Don't get me wrong. And it's yeah. funny, too. The thing I, I liked more about th- this, I, I suppose, than his other films is that it made me laugh quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when he's like, they're given like that, that those those philosophical lessons to those randoms on the street. I don't know who they were. But then they leave and they crash their cars into their cars. Uh-huh. And, and that was really amusing to me. And yeah. there are a lot of moments like that. Um, I guess then there's also moments where I'm not sure if it was supposed to be funny, but I laughed anyway, like when he's wrapping the dynamite around his head. Oh, I found that hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> like, that was funny, but, like, the only, the only thing that indicates it's funny, I suppose, is just the fact that it's a dude wrapping dynamite around and his head. And it's massive dynamite that says on it dynamite. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it might as well have said Acme Company on the front. <laughs> But then it, but then he blows up and then you get this sort of existential beyond the grave quotation that happens. And I'm like, well, yeah, the tone, the, there is no such thing as like a consistent tone in any of Godard's movies. Yeah. So, but so. that in a way is sort of its tone. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's a reverence toward tone. Yeah. It's, it's hard. They're hard movies for me to like fully pin down, uh, but I, well, I, they're I also hard it. to talk about in many ways. Like they're hard to describe because some of these moments, it's, it's just like, you know, guy and girl recite poetry yeah. you know, on a rock near the sea. And it's, well, it, it, it feels like it, it feels like it was made by Jeff Daniels from the squid and the whale. And yeah, sure. It's, it's like <laughs> the, the, you could, the thing is if someone wanted to say that this movie's utter bullshit, I would be okay with them saying, I wouldn't fully disagree with them. You're allowed to say that this is utter bullshit mm-hmm. if you really want to. And you're I will not say totally... some of the, again, the poetry and like the quotations from the novels that they recited was a little like hands know, on jerk off yeah. motion. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was... <laughs> I, I just feel like the movie is a lot more of that than maybe you would give it uh, credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there really are some really awesome scenes like that. The one about the guy when they're sitting on the, the dock and he's having the conversation about the music that's playing in his head. Oh, it's tremendous shit. Love that shit. Tremendous that was great. Shit. Yeah. yeah, that you was don't fantastic. Hear it? That song that's been haunting me my whole life. You don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That's stuff. just great stuff. It's just great meandering filmmaking, man. I just love a movie that meanders into weird directions like that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just love it. when just a hot chick and a dude are, are, killing people and running just love it that that woman must have like like grim reaper fists because when she punches that gas station guy and he just falls over and he's like knocked out i'm like well i mean (laughs) i'm not sure that's exactly what would happen but gotta suspend some disbelief for sure oh yeah gotta suspend some disbelief i mean especially at the beginning you know they're at that party with a bunch of topless (laughs) women and like the well, lighting looks like it's from a fucking uh, uh they're not topless at first though right they they cut back to them and they're topless yeah which is the other I, i'm not taking everything in this movie literally but especially not that first like dead guy on the bed you know where it's like the movie addresses it and then it says it wasn't a thing at first and i'm like oh okay maybe it's all in their heads and then 
it's they're just thinking about killing you know i don't know Right. It's an it's an ex, it's an experience, but I feel like it's more of an like watching this movie is more of an exercise than like a cinematic experience. Mm. That's my overall take. Yeah, definitely. If you are not into movies like this that are just you know all over the place in its editing style, music cuts in and out. Uh, sometimes absurdist images are shown. Sometimes the lighting is just you know out of a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. I mean, that yeah. was definitely the case in that in that house party scene. Um, you know, maybe it's not for you. I, I definitely understand why Godard's movies don't exactly jive with uh, with everybody. And I, I do yeah. understand where some of your your apprehensions come. But yeah, I, I find these movies to just be like very sort of uh, light, engaging experiences. And I just yes, like I feel really good watching them. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm always going to love this formula. I'm always going to love this format. Um, and I just, I don't know, like the way that Jean-Luc Godard sees the world, I guess. And that's all that matters, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would feel about contempt only cause it's very slow. Okay. Uh, you might like the, the opening where it just like focuses in on a woman's ass for like five minutes. So sign me up. So yeah. And it just changes color gels. It goes from like red to blue to like plain white to green or something like that. I it's like a- asses in all colors. Yeah, she talks about her ass. She talks about with her whoever she's sitting with. Like, how much do you like my ass? So there's that. Watch contempt. All right, contempt <laughs> and Q. Okay, uh, Cat Baloo. Cat Baloo. Yes, directed by Elliot Silverstein, starring Jane Fonda, Lee Marvin, Stubby K, and Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Nat King Cole, by the way, passed away four months before filming on this or before the release of the movie, actually, uh, as he filmed, he was, uh, ill with lung cancer, severely ill with lung cancer. And so this is, you know, one of his final performances, uh, either musical or cinematic. Uh, this was uh, nominated for best adapted screenplay, best editing, best original score and best original song at the Oscars. It only won one Oscar and that's for Lee Marvin best lead actor. Uh, yeah. Uh, if this is a lead performance, I'm a fucking hippopotamus, which may be true, but still, I think it's certainly true. You got that one, Nico. Um, yeah, not a lead performance whatsoever. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I I love his performance in this movie, but it's not the lead. Yeah, yeah. This is some serious category fraud. Like everyone complains about Anthony Hopkins getting best lead actor for Silence of the Lambs. This is way worse. Dude, it's it's just because it's Lee Marvin. Yeah. It's because Lee Marvin, how dare you say he's a supporting role? It's Lee exactly. Marvin. Exactly. That's that's all it is. That's literally all it is. He is wonderful in the movie. I think like it is a well-deserved win, but come on, guys. Yeah. Uh AFI called it the number 50 comedy of all time and the number 10 western. The young school teacher turns into an outlaw to avenge her murdered father. That's the plot of this movie. Okay. Uh, Years ago, I took a screenwriting class with a man named Jordan Moffat. Jordan Moffat is the screenwriter behind Like Mike and George of the Jungle 2. We talk about him a lot because I find that fact very funny. Uh, (laughs) Av and I both took this class. Uh, Jordan Moffat loved Cat Baloo. He showed us the first 20 minutes of Cat Baloo. Until just today, that was the only 20 minutes of Cat Baloo I'd ever seen. I nominated this movie because I'm like, Jordan Moffat thinks it's good. It's the guy that wrote Like Mike. How could he possibly be mistaken? Oh, no, Nico. 
Um, I thought this movie was pretty pointless. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of wish that I hadn't watched it. Or, you know, now that I've seen it, I don't feel like I'm any better of a human being. I uh, echo your sentiments exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the movie. No, I like it. It's I like it. Mm, but it's very disposable. Hmm. Um, it's not funny to me, aside from Lee Marvin. There were two moments is, that made me laugh. Yeah. I'll get to those in a second. Lee, Lee Marvin struggling to be on his horse like a drunken idiot. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm cool with that. Good stuff. Um, I guess I appreciate the framing device of the of the singers. It recalls. I mean, obviously, that's where fucking um, uh, there's something about Mary got the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. It's got some legacy. It's but I just, mean, it's that's nothing new. I mean, that's Greek chorus no. shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah, that, just, that goes back to theater. That's just like a modern yeah version. Yeah, I know, I know. It just you don't you don't see film embrace it as much, and so it's it's cool for it to be there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's it's like stock standard as you could get. Like yeah. beyond that, I mean, the like the the character of Cat Blue is nothing fascinating. The, aside from Lee Marvin, I'm not particularly impressed by the performances or this story. I think even at the time, it's pretty well treaded territory. I guess the only like significant thing is that it it has some impression on like like feminist cinema because it's Jane Fonda being a a, a Western gunslinger. Yeah. But again, like like when you just when you watch it now, it just hasn't aged that well. Honestly, it's okay. It's not it's not a bad movie, but it's you know. Yeah, I mean, it is the musical western, so I guess that means that it has somewhat of a legacy. And well, I, well state isn't what stagecoach is that? Um, 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 Doris Day. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. There you go. There's another one. That that that's like the musical western, in my opinion, because this isn't much of a musical to to me. That was the other confusing part about it right right um it's, yeah it's it's but it's certainly in the same breath as stagecoach i've never seen it but uh I, I assume that it's better than this i hope it's better than this i mean i don't know <laughs> westerns and musicals i don't like yeah no listen i am a sucker for a good western i Me was too. out uh in south dakota as part of my trip and i was actually texting you during this um i went to deadwood yeah. first i went to the badlands which is the place where the Terrence Malick film was shot. I'm going to watch that tonight, by the way, because I, I have not had a chance to watch it since I was there. And I'm like, I need more of this uh, place. Oh, you want a good lovers on the run story, dude. I fucking love Badlands. Okay, I'm going to do Badlands, Badlands soon. But then I went to fucking Deadwood and I played poker at a saloon. Yo, yeah, bro, bro. <laughs> I played for six fucking hours. <laughs> I went with Rob and Nick. We went to Deadwood, which, you know, where the show is based or whatever. It's where Wild Bill Hickok was shot playing mm-hmm. poker. And I went to the saloon where Wild Bill Hickok was shot. Uh, actually, I didn't I didn't play poker there. I played up across the street. Um, and I told Nick and Rob, like, I'm going to be here longer than you think I'm going to be. And they're like, no, it's all right. Like, we'll just go hang out and you can play. I'm like, no, you're going to want to go to bed by the time yeah. I'm done. Uh, and I sat there for six hours and I played fucking Texas Hold'em at a saloon in Deadwood and I have never felt more alive. And that I night probably- I had the urge to just watch more Westerns because I love them. Man, you would have loved where I was too. Same thing. We passed by saloons frequently. I was, I, I, I told you this before we started recording. I was literally on like the No Country for Old Men land. It was, yeah. You would have loved it. Whenever yeah. I'm at a place like that, I have the urge to watch a Western, but then you realize like 
there is so much shit in the western genre yeah well it was it was their generations like like superhero films that's right. the thing right it was maybe even more popular so. right so you just like look at all of the shows that essentially were depicted on once upon a time in hollywood and it's like you know for every dallas there was like three you know fists of mccluskey you know <laughs> the wild fists of mccluskey or whatever mm-hmm. uh so many ranchers like somebody yeah. just like shit tv shows and and movies not Kapaloo is not a shit movie i don't want to say that no 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 no. you're right though like the um the 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 breadth of quality is is quite vast there's a big range yeah i mean boy it's it's i was kind of confused because i was like what what is special what's all that special about this screenplay honestly Mm -hmm. because i've seen westerns where the screenplay was significantly better i've seen screenplays by uh, Sergio Leone that are much better. I mean, all of his uh, spaghetti westerns are much better than this. No question. Yeah, I, I was just like, wait, why? I was, I, I guess, I was looking for the 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 great movie that people talk about with Capulet, and I was like, it's it's not it's not technically all that great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's great in terms of its legacy, I suppose, but like, it just just in quality in terms of westerns, I mean, they're dude. I mean. If you were to reach your hand in a basket, you would find better ones. Yes. And there are so many of them at the Walmart bargain bin. You just get those collections. Ten John Wayne classics. Yeah. And I'm sure they're probably better than this. (laughs) And it's like dude on a horse. Part three. You've never heard (laughs) of it, but he's a dude and he's on a horse. (laughs) And he takes the law into his own hands. I mean, that's what happens here, man. It's uh, it's a character named Cat Blue. Jane Fonda is quite fetching in this movie. Uh, And, uh, you know, she... Runs into some outlaws and then her daddy gets shot and she's like, you know, the law is not going to deliver justice. So now I need to deliver justice. So I'm going to rob a train and I'm going to kill the guy that killed my daddy. And, and Lee Marvin it. shows up and he's drunk, but he's really good at shooting things while they're in the air. Uh, that, no, and that's kind of all it is. That's what happens, right? <laughs> like, like, again, it's like it's very like stock and you can count the amount of things that happen on your hand. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the the big beats are not particularly big and there's not many of them. And right when you, you think something else, when something else interesting could happen, the movie kind of ends. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a like a 20 page screenplay yeah, <laughs> in, in de- that way. Definitely. And like the song is fine, I guess. I mean, that's probably what the movie is known for. It's that song and it's the Lee Marvin performance. Um, yes. You know, I wanted more out of Jane Fonda. Like, I wanted more about this character. I just, I didn't want her to just be a distressed damsel who, yes. uh, you know, becomes a badass. Like, I, I wanted a little more than that. I've seen this a thousand times. She's also not much of a badass in this movie. You're right. She's not. <laughs> That's also kind of a problem. You see the poster and it's her, like, pointing the guns at you. But she never really does that in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Lee Marvin actually plays two characters in this. He plays yes. the drunkard that, uh, you know, avenges uh Capaloo's father's death and mm-hmm. he also plays the killer of Capaloo's father and he's a guy without a nose so he has a silvered nose where his nose is supposed to be and the second i saw that character i'm just like oh it's this type of movie yep like this is what we're doing here and he's just going to show up and be menacing and then he's going to leave and then he's going to show up again and there's like no tension to his arrival it's just he's there which is what you see all the time in westerns it's like how do we introduce this character? Well, we can have him walk into the frame. Any other ideas? Nope. Okay. 
and action. Yep. So it it was perfectly well made, well treaded, fair. I, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. I was a little surprised that you had not because I, I I wasn't sure if it was going to be like all that great because I had to rewatch it uh, or at least finish it rather because I hadn't seen the whole thing. You, you had the Jordan Moffat experience yeah. as well with this. Well, I was the thing is I was introduced to it and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll skip it. Yeah. yeah. It didn't leave like a great impression in my head. No, and it didn't leave a great impression this morning when I watched it. Uh, yeah. Uh, two things made me laugh. The first uh, was the train robbery when when the guy like refuses to open the safe and then Lee Marvin. Or, or what, yeah, when he shoots his hat off and like that. I thought the train robbery was fun. And then uh, when Lee Marvin, the drunkard, is first introduced and uh, like he says all these lines and then he essentially passes out. The character goes. I never seen a man go get through a day so fast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a pretty clever line. Like yeah. you just went through an entire cycle of a day. I don't know. It's Cat Baloo, man. You've probably heard of it and you could probably skip it for the rest of your life and you can die a happy man. Well, I'll give it a watch. Why not? You might enjoy it for what it is. Cat Baloo. Cat Baloo. I'm sure back then if they had had cable, it would have been an awesome cable movie. I don't know. And that's why they didn't have cable <laughs> because until oceans 11 and out of sight were made yeah there was no reason for cable that's a good point <laughs> the pawnbroker the pawnbroker the, the second film directed by Sidney lemay lamette lamette it's lamette i've heard it both ways you oh by the way how do you say uh uh you say piero 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 yeah okay so why do you say incendies Starring Rob Steiger, Geraldine Fitzgerald, <laughs> Jamie Sanchez, and an uncredited... Do you know what I'm about to say? Oh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, 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 yeah. In his yeah, film yeah. debut. That's right. Yeah. He plays one of the goons. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was nominated for Best Lead Actor. Rob Steiger. Rod Steiger, of course. Uh, a Jewish pawnbroker, victim of Nazi persecution, loses all faith in his fellow man until he realizes too late the tragedy of his actions. Um, so, uh, okay. The film is notable because, uh, this was at the end of the Hayes code beginning of the MPAA rating system. Um, this was the first American movie to show a nude woman. Boobies. (laughs) First boobs in a movie. (laughs) Yep. Incredible. (laughs) I know. Right. I love that fact. Like it deserves a spot in the national film registry for that reason alone. That's kind of why it it, it got in the national film registry. Yeah. And to make, make it better. There's some nice boobies. They're not great boobies. boobies. Great boobies. (laughs) It's the first boobies in a movie. Uh, and I think it's also the first openly gay character in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so notable for both reasons. Uh, but man, those boobs. Yeah, really fun. If, man, could you imagine, though, like going to a movie oh. theater in 1965? It's moments like this where it's like when I heard this, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to travel back in time and just yes! see the reaction of the like all the the old women who went to go see Rod Steiger. <laughs> hey, honey, we're going to go see a talkie tonight at the Nickelodeon. Are those her hooters? <laughs> yeah, but could you imagine like going into a movie 
and like you didn't even know it was possible that they could show movies or boobies in movies. Yeah, well, because it's not like you 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 read like a like a I don't know. It's not like you read a Forbes article like the upcoming Sydney Lumet film promises to show boobs. Right, they're definitely not no. advertising that on the poster. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> on the poster, it's just a sensor bar above some boobs, titties. Boobs, boobs. <laughs> It's a set, it's a gigantic sensor bar across the, the chest with Pong Broker inside the sensor In bar. In this movie about a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's about the Holocaust, you know, and forget about that. No, like, I remember when I was a kid, and I, I, I just remember it vividly. There was a shitty movie that Bruce Willis did in the 2000s. I don't even remember what the movie was called, but it was about, like, a ghost or some shit. And I remember seeing an ad for it as I was watching, I think, SpongeBob. And I, for the first time ever, decided to read the little... Um, R-rated bar at the bottom yeah. of the of the ad when it said like coming August nineteenth or whatever, and I remember saying rated R for language and nudity, and Ooh. I'm like, wait a minute, there are boobs in movies. Like I remember having <laughs> that thought, like they're allowed to do that because I had only watched TV at that point or or like kids movies that I didn't even know that was a thing they were allowed to do. I, I want to say, you know, no, yeah, it's it's weird because I didn't have quite that experience. I was just like naturally shown it, like I just discovered it. And I, right. I, I want to say my the first time I ever experienced that was actually Animal House. Okay, which was like changed my life when I saw the pillow fight scene. <laughs> so there's for me, that. it was it's Revenge like, of the Nerds. I think. Okay, okay, okay. Because <laughs> for me, it's it's like it, I, I I go back and forth if it's that um, Titanic. Or um, what's the other one that I keep falling back on? I don't really remember. It's it's probably another comedy though. I think. Oh, uh, you know what it is? What? It's Caddyshack. It's Caddyshack. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember the Trail of the Pink Panther, which was a PG rated movie. I watched that pretty early on, and I thought it was going to be family friendly. And all of a sudden, there were two chicks in like a in like a bucket of grapes crushing wine. <laughs> and I'm like, my life was just forever different. <laughs> But imagine watching, having that experience as an adult, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're conditioned to say that movies are not allowed to do this ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it must have been amazing. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, this is an early Lamette film. This is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after 12 Angry Men, but still around the same time. Lamette was known primarily as a TV director. And I will say that it shows. Lamette had not, he was, you know, one of those guys and. You know, if this happens every once in a while, less often now, but it used to happen a lot. A director just pays their dues in TV land for a while and they learn their craft as they go. And by the time oh. they make their sixth movie at the age of 50, they had developed a pretty distinct style. And Lamette obviously becomes one of the great directors of all time. Certainly one of the great New York directors of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, you sort of see some of the seams here. And there's I, nothing, I agree. There's nothing wrong with that. Um I think it actually, in a way, fits this story quite well. Okay, there, there, there's there's definitely a, a rough around the edges quality to that, but in a movie that is this just d- depraved at times, mm. just in its its it in what it's seeped in, just with its atmosphere and its setting, I'm actually okay with movies being a little janky and a little rough around the edges like that. Okay, I mean, also with a movie that is is just just bleak and upsetting as this one is too. So. Yeah, for sure, doesn't bother me. Yeah. For, for sure. I, I did think there were a few too many pans and zooms. Um, <laughs> you hate pans and zooms. It's just a relic of the era. I just have to accept it, I guess. <laughs> yes, you do. You know, just lo- just put it on a tripod. 
Let me see what's happening here. Well, it's on a tripod. It's just, you know, they're not, they're, you know, they're just moving the camera. You're thinking of dollies and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. sure. Whatever. Just <laughs> anyway. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, like I did find this that my one takeaway is obviously Rod Steiger is brilliant. Um, if not overacting a little bit, but I can forgive it. Uh, I, I, I was one of the thing is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I was, yeah. I was absolutely uh, astounded by Rod Steiger in this movie. Yeah. He's great in it. Um, but my key takeaway was like, wow, what a great New York movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamette, as I just said, like is one of the New York filmmakers grew up there, lived there, made all of his movies there. Um, the way that he sort of incorporates the sound and the visual clutter of the city Mm. throughout this entire movie, I thought was just like brilliant. And you know, normally when you watch a Holocaust movie or a movie about a guy that's gone through a lot of trauma, it's quieter and it's more barren. Um, It's a movie about loneliness. And normally when you make a movie about loneliness, you don't put a lot of people around the main character, but this is a movie that, captures that unique quality of being alone in a big city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's clearly a feeling that Lamette understands and is able to communicate here. Um, there's a lot of sound. It's very noisy. There's a lot of people running in and out of Rod Steiger's pawn shop. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of honking. There's a lot of just like it, a lot of times you have to like turn up the volume on the TV to understand what these characters are even saying, you know, you're kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. And you know, when you think New York city, you don't often think loneliness. You think like I'm surrounded by a million people and you know, they're all similar to me, but when you're surrounded by a million people, that also means you're surrounded by nobody. And, uh, you know, I think that's just like a really awesome quality to capture in, in film. And, uh, I wouldn't have told the story that way, but Lamette obviously knows better than I do. (laughs) <laughs> oh i mean it's it's sort of an interesting setting too i mean to it, in a way like i i it's just i mean when you when you, you're talking about like a movie that's essentially like just uh, exploring ptsd in this way it's interesting for me to place the character in a in a setting that's supposed to be very you know like like communal and and social and you're supposed to you know be able to to deal with people on a day-to-day basis quite comfortably and rod steiger clearly can't really do that so it sort of enforces just how how affected he is by, by what happened to him in his past and exploring like like why you know like n- not just not just how hurt he is but how it's a kind of affected everybody else around him is just so fascinating because a lot of it is certainly expressed just through his quiet emotions just by the right questions being asked by that assistant he has working at the pawn shop for him, just by him going going doing his spiel's about what matters and what doesn't, or being kind of a nihilist about everything. I mean, ugh, boy, yeah. I mean, for me, the movie kind of is him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 scene where he goes to speak with that woman on her balcony and just kind of sits there, you know. And I think the Hudson Bay is in his in the background. It's just like 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 brings tears. It's just, yeah, I really love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you do. I, I don't yeah. think I'm as crazy about it as you are. Again, just because I thought the style was a little much at times. But man, I it's love certainly this. certainly loud. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, Rod Steiger's just 
I mean, Jesus Christ. I love me some Rod Steiger whenever I can yeah. get it, man. Like, yeah. in the heat of the night, Oscar-winning performance. I, he should have won for this one, if we're being honest here. I, I, this is my favorite performance that I've seen by him, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah. I mean, he's great in uh, in On the Waterfront, too. He's actually really underrated in, all the, in On the Waterfront. Yeah, I agree. Just because Brando agree. steals so much of that movie. But, like, that scene when they're, when they're in the cab, that I could have been a mm-hmm. contender. Uh, like, Steiger, he's like throwing haymakers in that scene like mm-hmm. he is as emotionally like heavy as brando is there you know yeah. brando gets the lead performance and he has to carry the whole movie but steiger as his brother is just remarkable i do yeah i agree it's very underrated yeah you know? he's it's, one of the underrated an, actors of his generation steiger oh i completely agree i didn't even know he played al capone in a movie <laughs> that's kind of funny to me yeah 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 yeah. yeah. the yeah. Uh, isn't it just called capone yeah yeah it is He's got a, like a, a nice wide breath because you, you'd think he would be typecast, but he really isn't. I, I, I thought he was before seeing uh, all these other movies by him. And I realized like, oh, he's actually a pretty well-rounded and dynamic actor who takes on pretty interesting roles. The fact sure. that he took on this one when it, I didn't even know he was in it before seeing it. And I was like, oh, he's playing this character. And then seeing him do it is just like flawless, like a Polish Jew. <laughs> it's like right. he can do that. It's a great accent, too. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. It's great accent work. I, again, I think at the end, there are a few scenes in this movie where he just breaks down, and that's the only direction. It's he like, does a good job breaking right, Rod, down, though. <laughs> I just want you to go crazy here. Mm-hmm. And he does that thing on his face, like even at the end where the guy gets stabbed or shot. Yep. He's shot or stabbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's shot. Okay. Like when he's just like, you know, doing that thing with his face and just screaming. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, this is maybe a little much, but it's still like pretty remarkable. And if it is overacting, it's still really good overacting. Yeah. Cause I was gonna say, I'm not necessarily bothered by overacting, especially in movies, you mm-hmm. know, this is, this, this is especially in movies. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I get you though. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's just a, <laughs> that is a little funny. It's a, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's dramatic. What do you want? What do you want from it? It's like, it could have been, I guess, a little more toned down. It, it, I don't know, especially in movies from the '60s too. It doesn't exactly feel out of place to me. So yeah, maybe that's I, a product of the era. I just felt like in general the movie was a, a bit on the nose. Like I, I, there's one scene that I recall. Again, this is just like about a guy that's having PTSD with the Holocaust. Yes. But there is like a bag of money that gets brought into the plot at one point. It's 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 more of like a, a Deus Ex Machina than anything. Yeah. Um, or just like a, a MacGuffin is actually a better word. Um. And uh, there's a point where Rod Steiger, who is this socially detached human being, says to his protege, money is all that matters in the world. Money is what makes the world go round. It's all about the money. And this guy, like, has a light bulb moment (laughs) where he's like, really, money is all that matters. Well, how about that money in Rod Steiger's safe? (laughs) And he begins running through the city. To find the gangsters who can help him steal the money. And I'm just like, <laughs> really, man? Like, that just feels like very TV movie. Sure. And, and I did think there were a few moments like that, especially with the intercutting between the Holocaust scenes and the current scenes. Oh, but see, that's my favorite stuff in the movie. Okay. I thought the, the, the representation of the PST, PTSD in this movie was brilliant. 
because that's usually how it is. Uh-huh. It, it's not something it's 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 expressed with like like someone falling asleep and them having a, a crazy nightmare mm-hmm. so much. It's usually just it, it's just like these random flashes that kind of get in the way of your normal day. I guess from what I from what I understand, and the fact that they're played silently just makes them all the more haunting. Yeah, I I and they're they're quite startling and. They always seem to come out, come out at just these times that you never quite expect, which makes them even scarier. Yeah, you're under so, assault with these visions. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it, one of my favorite uh, uh, filmic decisions in the entire movie. I, I thought it was quite brilliant. Okay, so yeah, I, I I'm just like okay, he's <laughs> holding a, wi- a ring, and like here's a guy that gets his ring stolen by the Nazis. <laughs> I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Still though, no, it's a, it's a very good movie with a, an incredible lead performance and uh yes, and it also showed boobs for the first time. True. I give it that. That's the pot broker. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have a really hard time with this year. I'm just letting you know right now. Oh god. I'm going to have a really hard time with this. No no movies? Uh, we'll have to talk Not about a single it. one. <laughs> Repulsion. Oh, come on. Written and directed by Roman Polanski. Starring Catherine Denevois. Ian Hendry and John Frazier. A sex-repulsed woman who Mm -hmm. disapproves of her sister's boyfriend sinks into depression and has horrific visions of rape and violence. Uh, An early Polanski movie, I think his second. It's his first English language film. Yeah, a horror movie before Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Uh, But in, I think, a similar vein. True, true. They're they're feminist horror movies that uh, take place in an apartment. Mm-hmm. primarily so there's that um go ahead what do you what do you think about it i loved it <laughs> i thought you might <laughs> yeah this is one of those years i'm realizing where part of the reason i wanted to have jabril on was to back me up on this because i was thinking like I, there's a chance that nico might not jive with a few of these uh-huh. um and it would be nice to have someone to support me through this because this movie is fantastic actually uh i thought it was like psychological horror at its finest um they i mean every decision i pretty much loved i think the surreal imagery is is unlike anything i've ever seen before i think uh how do you say the actress's name Catherine De- Deneuve 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 yeah De- or Deneuve Catherine Deneuve oh Deneuve Catherine Deneuve um she is fantastic in the movie and it was taking me a while to understand like what was wrong with her character. I think in my review, I said you could have titled this movie. What's wrong, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the movie does a great job at just exploring that. Cause at first I thought she was just like underacting and just not giving it at all. And then I realized how intentional it was mm. and how much it sells itself and the reveal of her past and what's really going on underneath is just some of the most disturbing stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, the photo is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um okay, that was actually my main problem with the movie as it was going along. Because again, this idea of a sex repulsed woman. Yep. I mean, that just sort of logline really doesn't do it for me just cuz like <laughs> what does that even mean? You know Someone what I mean? Who, well, she doesn't. She's afraid of of men. That's yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I just think detached protagonists don't do it for me. They've never done <laughs> it for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I. You know what? I was. This is a weird comparison, but I was thinking about this when we talked about the Nightingale from last oh. year, which is a movie you loved. It was one of your favorites of last it, yeah. year. That was another one where I'm just like, this character is only defined by the trauma that happened to her. 
and she doesn't have any personality separate from that. Mm-hmm. And I think like that just sort of bothers me out of a protagonist. Like the entire movie, you're right. You're thinking to yourself, what's wrong, Carol? But I'm thinking to myself, like, seriously, Carol, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just tell me already. <laughs> oh, Yo, you're like, such a man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. That, okay. Maybe it's my misogyny. Perhaps. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just like, dude, like, just get over whatever fucking shit you're dealing oh, with. Oh, no. No. And uh, no, I felt bad by the end of the movie when, when the trauma was revealed. And I'm like, oh, okay. Guess that shut me up. Guess that answered my question. Yeah, but like the, these characters don't even seem real to me, man. They really, really? don't. They don't. They Ooh. don't. Characters like this don't seem real to me. I've known people like this. <laughs> Not that, okay. that, that they weren't murderous, but yeah, they they uh, yeah they're 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 repulsed by things, <laughs> mm-hmm. and their lives are very much ruined by 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 some of their uh, childhood experiences. Right. Um. Yeah. I I've always bought into stuff like this. Just because I actually think it's quite true to humanity, a very dark side of humanity that a lot of people f- are afraid to address and why it's always it makes me happy to see it presented on film. And the entertaining parts of it comes with how the movie explores the character mm-hmm. and how on the surface it might look like she is there's not much going on. But what's interesting is why there's not much going on right. and, and how she's been sort of beaten into the ground and forced to become the person that she you know ultimately is okay i get that yeah i get that i i I just don't think like empty shells of human beings make for great movie characters well i was fascinated by her i was intrigued by her the entire way through i like i said as i wanted i was constantly asking the question what is wrong with you Mm -hmm. that's sort of you know i think that's proof that i am interested in what's going on with the character yeah and i mean the payoff is wonderful the payoff the is payoff, absolutely yeah payoff works for sure it's it's incredible the payoff and works. it it's also very like slimmed down and gets a lot of the bullshit out of the way and i think like confining it to just this apartment to seeing her becoming filthier and nuttier and just the decisions she makes and like, her boarding up the 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 apartment with that one piece of plywood so mm. lazily mm. it's just like that little the dead action rabbit al- in the kitchen the whole oh time oh my god just not even addressing it just exploring the levels of of d- despair that, that she has and just how far gone she's become it's incredibly interesting to watch just as a character study for sure you know but you're not watching it the same way you would watch like an Aaron Sorkin movie in terms of like snappy fun dialogue and characters it's <laughs> that's the, not even what I'm asking for. no, no but you're, you're asking for a character that I think is a little more lively than this I'm, no I'm that's just a, asking for a character that's more defined I guess I well what are you talking about like I, I want a character that like their motivations are clear and like, oh, I know dude, what they what want, are you talking I know about? what they're about. And I just it's like, very obvious here, what she's about. Like, she was only defined by the fact that she was a victim and you don't even learn that she's a victim until later on. Like all she basically is, is like a uber traumatized girl that just is scared of any, everything doesn't want to leave the house and is yeah. bothered by a toothbrush. That's you the know, whole that, point of the movie I, though. I, I, yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that. I just find that like the experience of watching them to be a little like not so compelling. Oh God, I completely disagree with you. I, mean, we ha- I feel like we had this exact same discussion when we talked about the Nightingale. Yeah, but that's what f- I find them so interesting because of that. Yeah, and what what what's gone? What what has happened to them is just absolutely incredible to me. You know, to, to see the to, to see what it has done to them is the whole movie for me. Right. And to see what it has done to their character is the whole movie. It's very obvious what her motivation but is. But what it's done to them has made them less interesting. I disagree with that, though. 
I, I'm I'm enraptured by people. No, like listen, this. I, I I am <laughs> so. not saying that like movies about female trauma aren't legit. I think like definitely <laughs> that is a no. It's a worthwhile <laughs> thing to explore. I just sometimes think it's a bit of a tough hang, and that's the case here. A tough hang. <laughs> yeah, just a tough hang. I in general though, here's the thing. I do respect this movie a lot. I think it's a very very good movie. Oh yeah, I, I agree oh, with yeah. you. Like the visual stuff in that apartment is awesome. The hands coming out of the walls. It's a fucking iconic oh, my God, shot. Yeah. It's really but really just, good. The, the cracks, the just random sh- like jump scare cracks that occur. The freaking right. this one of the, the 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 best ones was just her putting her face up against the wall, and it's kind of become like clay, mm. which is not over dramatic. It's just like oh my god, it's like she's melting, mm. you know? Yeah, Polanski is uh, just like a master of horror, man. Like the guy is incredible at just like you know getting a lot out of a very confined space. I mean, I just think about constantly that shot of her looking across the street at the nuns. Oh, yeah. You know, just from a distance and just like that recurring motif. It's just like awesome filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's fucking mm-hmm. haunting stuff, man. He's really, really good at this. And he gets the most out of a very modest budget. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was just like a $1 million movie and there are no big names in it. And it's shot in black and white. And he squeezes every dollar out of the thing. Um, he deserved the money to make Rosemary's Baby. And I think elevated, you know, from this into rosemary's baby that's like you know achievement unlocked there uh and i you know i love how most of it is shot from like the neck down mm-hmm. there's like a lot of like shots of people's bodies and yeah I, I, i'm not even sure if this was the intention but i took that to be like polanski just like sort of stewing on the the human form something that terrifies uh the Catherine character the Catherine uh Denevois character Carol is her name um but just like there's a lot of just lingering on on the human body and just like when you see someone's face it it becomes like this horrifying shot just like the stuff that that Polanski likes to focus on you can always learn a lot about a director by what they choose to point the camera at and that's definitely the case here Mm -hmm. yeah well it's focusing on the bodies which is something that the character is afraid of but at the same time she's she's also trying to avoid the faces and it's like it's sort of like an 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 idea of like no matter what she does it doesn't matter if you're looking at the face or the body she can't really escape it she's afraid of it no matter what right there's such a clear point of view here and that's what like any great horror movie has Mm -hmm. yeah oh i think it's a wonderful horror movie you know i also think just like as a like a horror movie this sort of spits in the face of that sex in horror trope oh yeah you know it's actually the complete inverse usually in sex horror movies like when a character has sex they're punished for it but Mm -hmm. this character carol is punished a lot of times for not having sex like her prudishness ends up being punished because she has these flashes of like rape imagery oh yeah Um, and sex is seen not as something that characters love to do but as something that characters are apprehensive to do uh but in both cases are are horrifying but i i just think like it's a cool inversion of that trope you know? It's also just like the execution. It is an interesting inversion of the trope. That is, it, it's it's funny because it's both like, like, <laughs> it's funny when movies do this where it's you're not sure if it's trying to be pro sex or against sex. Mm-hmm. And in, in some in this movie, sort of saying both in a way. You know, obviously, don't treat women like shit, but to be repressed can kind of push you in the other direction. Yeah, just that, as, just as oh, bad. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, and it's a deeply feminist movie in that way too. Oh yeah, uh, and, and way sh- ahead of its time for that reason. Th- those rape scenes, though, like, ugh. It's oh like the, yeah, the camera. I, I think I was talking with Jabril about this. I think I hinted at it. It's like the camera is like a snake, like slithering up her legs. It's mm. just 
horrifying yeah, you feel like you're invading her as well it, along yeah, with the rapist. It, yeah it, it is so deeply unpleasant and like the lack of sound <laughs> oh yeah. my god it's like it may it, it Weird comparison, but it almost recalled uh, eight millimeter in the snuff films. Where there's no sound in that, but it's just like horrifying to watch. Just that that little detail just sells it so much better. Uh huh. So yeah, no, I think it's cool, and it also features like a woman doing the killing, which is not something you saw in horror yes. movies in 1965. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also see it from her point of view. So it's just yeah. it's a really awesome inversion of a lot of horror tropes. Um, sure. Actually, almost an inversion of the tropes before they were even created. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's early Polanski, man. It, it's it's awesome. I respect it. I again, I just had a hard time sort of sinking into it. Do you not like broken characters that 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 are outward? If you look at them, it's like, OK, this person isn't functioning properly. No, I, I, I don't. Bother? I don't. Okay. Is that why you don't like Rick Deckard? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah, I I find Harrison Ford to be so fucking boring in that movie. And see, I disagree. Like, again, that's the same thing. Like, the the quietness is just intriguing to me. That's part of it. And to see him, to see a character, it's different in Blade Runner because he kind of breaks out of that. But in here, it's like they're just gone. I guess there's no other way to make a movie like Repulsion, but. I suppose, yeah. uh, Yeah. I guess Carrie is the only example of a character where I'm cool. She's not really, bro- she becomes broken by the end of it, but she's not that way really throughout. She's just, you know, you know timid, <laughs> has right. trouble. So that's more entertaining though. Like I said, she's not, she, she works properly. She just doesn't know how to work properly with others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess Insandi is <laughs> another example, isn't it? Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. Maybe maybe we crack something you just don't like. Nico. I think we're getting somewhere. We don't like broken people. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I no. I don't like movies where you're just with a character for an hour and a half, and it's like they're just like just sulking around, and you're like, I there's wonder so what happened w- to them, and then they show so- you what happened at the end, and you're like, Oh, oh guess that okay. explains that. Oh, and you don't you don't enjoy that journey. Well, it's not much of a journey, is it? I think it's an incredible journey. I don't know. I think the journey happened before the movie started. <laughs> no, the journey is the discovery, dude. No, 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 no. The journey is the discovery of what is going on with this person. I think that stuff is fascinating. And how it's like a mystery and how it lays out the pieces is great. And you learn Repulsion a lot about the character. is a very good movie. It's a very yes, good yes, movie. It, yes, it's a very good movie. My dog is howling. I hear him. See, this is what happens when you're when you run sirens oh my god man they are these are the hounds of baskerville my god oh that <laughs> reminds me my dog got mauled by a coyote what yeah he's okay he's okay he's he's, he's home now uh but he got bit in the ass and scratched up a bit so it was a very very bad couple days damn yeah you have to take him to the vet Oh yeah, yeah. He was bleeding a lot. I I wasn't there with him. My mom was, but she showed us pictures, and he looked like shit. But he's he's stitched up and he's healing up now. So that one of he's barking currently. So oh no, yeah, it's repulsion all over again. Mm. Your, your dog's gonna be traumatized. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna do a parody of repulsion about getting bit in the ass by coyotes. And, and all you know, your your dog is just walking around your house, and all of a sudden he sees a coyote shadow in his mirror. He has tried to beat me over the head with a candelabra multiple times, so. The Sound of Music is last. Oh, boy. Directed by Robert Wise. Starring Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer. 
winner of Best Picture, Best Director, Best Sound, Best Editing, and Best Score. Tour de Force at the Oscars that year. Was also nominated for Best Actress, Supporting Actress for Peggy Wood, Cinematography, Art Direction, and Costume Design. When you adjust for inflation, Sound of Music is the number three highest grossing movie of all time. Yep. This was a box office behemoth. To call it a hit is such an understatement. It's only behind Gone with the Wind and Star Wars. <laughs> Think about that. Ingested for inflation. Number That's three. Amazing. Incidentally, Dr. Zhivago's number eight on that list. Wow. But Sound of Music is number three. Amazing. A woman leaves an Austrian convent to become a governess to the children of a naval officer widower. Uh, AFI called it the uh, number... 41 inspirational movie of all time the number four musical the number 27 love story and uh three of its songs made the top 100 of movie songs sound of music is number 10 my favorite things number 64 do re mi number 88 and then if you want to go to the all-time list it's number 40 according to the american film institute sweet so like what's the deal had you seen this movie before Oh my god, dude! I've seen this movie. Uh, I it, it had been a long time since I'd seen it, but I'd seen it a bunch when I was a kid, and because my parents watched it a lot, and I didn't remember as much about it. And then I picked it up again later on, recently actually, and just and watched it again and uh, uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. And then I watched it again for um, for this pod, and yeah, no, my feelings haven't changed. I kind of love this movie. Okay, um, I I do acknowledge like it's it, it's sort of charming whimsical often adorable attitude both on its characters and life until the nazis come around Mm. um isn't gonna be everybody's cup of tea Mm. the problem i is that i mean what do you expect it's a fucking musical uh in a musical in the era of musicals this is about as musical as you could get it's about as epic of a musical that there's ever been. the guy that made west side story is making this sure yes exactly uh, I have no issue with a movie choosing to be that. I have no issue with a movie choosing to be uh, overly optimistic if it's in this format. If it was going for something a little more grounded in reality, I mean, in a way it is, but I mean, once you introduce the, the, the ingredient of it being a musical, it sort of takes off for me and I don't, I don't come down on it too much. Uh, it's, so if there's any type of movie that's going to be this cheerful, of course I would choose, you know, a, a musical of this nature. Um, and yeah, like like I love the music quite quite dearly in this movie. Uh, I love pretty much every number, every dance piece. I love Julie Andrews in it. I, Christopher Plummer is such a delight to to watch. Um, but yeah, I could understand if the movie's annoying to you. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. That's an understatement. Yes. Yeah, I think this is my most hated movie of all time. Wow, yeah. I think so. I think if we're like, I I wouldn't call it the worst movie of all time, but it's definitely (laughs) number one. It fills me with rage the most. Why? 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 I'm I'm gonna quote Pauline Kale, the great Pauline Kale. This is what she wrote in her review in 1965. Yeah. Uh, Pauline Kale called the film, quote, the sugar-coated lie people (laughs) seem to want to eat. She said that audiences turned into emotional and aesthetic imbeciles when we hear ourselves humming the sickly goody goody songs. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's my girl. Pauline Kale is my least favorite film critic. <laughs> that's my homegirl, Pauline. Talking. She is she is so full of shit, it's unbelievable. Emotional she, she, and aesthetic imbeciles. 
as if there's anything wrong with being emotional. Um, Fucking love it. Oh my god. Yeah, Fucking she's just. She's the Armand White of her time. Stop it. Listen. <laughs> it's very true. My my grandmother had this on VHS. This was mm-hmm. her favorite movie. Yeah. She used to play it for us. Every time we went over the house, she'd put the sound of music in the VHS, forcing this movie down my fucking throat. Is that and even then, I must have been, what, seven? Six or seven? Literally one of the first movies that I'd ever seen. Even then, I'm like, you know what? This movie's some fucking bullshit. Aww. Like Even in the moment. I knew, like, this is not what the Nazis are supposed to look like. I don't even know what the Holocaust was. I'm like, they definitely were more evil than this. (laughs) Enough! (laughs) Enough! Dude, that (laughs) opening scene in the fucking fields, man. I've seen that scene so many times in my life. (laughs) I watch it again on a loop on VHS as a child. And then in middle school, my music teacher decided to shove it down my throat and we had to watch the whole movie. Took four classes because this movie is three and a half hours fucking long. How long is this thing? No, I think it's, it's, uh, it's not quite three hours. I think it's like two hours and like 50 minutes. Oh my God. Every freaking week we get to watch this thing. It, it, ah, I just want to play hot cross buns on the recorder. Let me play some hot cross buns. We have to watch the sound of music again. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. She's 16 going on 17. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's exactly right. <sighs> it's a delight. How many more but... 17th birthday parties must I sit through in my life? Uh, I've had this, it. This movie's charming as hell. It's the it's the, it's so lovable. It's very it's very not watchable one of my favorite things. This movie. Oh, one of I my see least favorite things. How do you like that? Oh yeah, this movie. No, this movie makes me quite happy when, whenever I watch it. Yeah, it's it's it sort of feels like in terms of the craftsmanship too, like the peak of what like the Hollywood musical was like going for. I feel like everything on all fronts when it comes to just the music and the performances and the camera work are pretty much top notch. Uh, the only one I like more than this, I mean, well, it's a tough thing to 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 quantify. I think I like Singing in the Rain more than this, but. Uh, I think yeah, I like I West Side Story better than this. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, I love West Side Story, but this is up there, though. This is certainly up there. It's and if 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 people calling it the greatest musical of all time, it's like yeah, I, I don't take much umbrage with that. I understand why you'd say that. I mean, it was a phenomenon. This movie, yeah, like, again, like this, everybody saw this thing, and it, it it was one of those movies at the Oscars where it's like, well, I guess critics and audiences they are all on the same page here. We just, it's like the Titanic thing. It's like there is no possible way we could give it to a movie other than Titanic. Um, and I guess it was a pretty thin year. There wasn't much competition. So, sure, okay. God, though, I I really should have revisited it. I couldn't put myself through that. I had four movies to watch already. 13 states in 14 days. Have I mentioned that? Yes, I know. The thing is, like, I I do... One of the reasons I, again, like, the director actually spoke up about, like, some of those, like, Pauline Kael criticisms. And he was like, if you honestly have an issue with a movie, especially a musical, choosing to be, like, like, cheerful and loving about children and nature, you're honestly... If I'm being completely honest with you, you're just a misguided person and you haven't been brought up properly. And I think that's actually true. There's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of sentiments to what he's saying. It's like, oh, is it really that wrong to say it's good to have appreciation for for this kind of stuff? And I don't for raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Sure. Yeah. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. It is a wholesome ass movie. <laughs> Gotta have appreciation for all those things. Nothing wrong with that. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. 
Yeah. I'm sorry I don't have much more to say cinematically here. I, I, I have always found this movie to be just nails on a chalkboard. Oh. Like, it is too sugar-coated, especially for the subject matter. That's something that I realized when I watched it in middle school. I think mm-hmm. maybe as like a six or seven-year-old, I'm just like, I, why is this maid dancing in a field? You know, like it's it, well, I actually on rewatch sort of appreciated it more because the movie sets up its world as something that's pretty much a great thing and something that's worth celebrating before the Nazis come in because it becomes a very different movie once Mar- uh, um, Maria and Baron von Trapp get married. Right. And I don't think there are any musical numbers aside from what they do with the, the, the competition. Right. And it's just them essentially trying to survive. And it's much more darkly lit. The cinematography is in, like more atmospheric and foreboding and characters turn on each other more. So when you have that contrast of the super, super light and fluffy with the, uh, it, incredibly like 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 tense and and dark it's it's thematically appropriate especially for something that's a musical so yeah no i discovered more on on rewatch and i didn't have any issue with the movie going in that direction because it made that decision yeah i'm sure you could make the argument that it's supposed to be told through a childlike lens and that you know the children are discovering the cruelness of this world as the audience is uh, I just remember feeling like the whole thing was just so sugary and fluffy. And I, I especially didn't have a taste for that when I was six or seven. Maybe I, I, I've developed a little more of a taste for that as the world has gotten to be a much sadder place. Um, well, that's but- that's also the thing. Like, dude, when you're watching a movie, like at a certain point, you do need movies like this. You yeah. just do. Sure. There's, I And like I said, if it was something else, if you were applying... It's part of the reason why I'm not a hundred percent keen on the movie uh, uh, "Life Is Beautiful." Okay, for that because it's applying a sense of humor to a subject matter that it it's feels kind of out of place. Yeah, but that movie is legitimately funny, though. Mm, well, that's a matter of perspective and yeah. preference and taste. That's yeah. the problem, though. It's like what's funny to you might not be funny to me, and it's yeah. not all. It's Did you not find funny. "Sound of Music" funny? No, but if it's not trying to be funny per se, it's more so trying to be like lighthearted and cheerful and optimistic, which it is. Yeah, it's also pretty fucking boring, man. It's no, just boring. it's just slow and boring. I just I, disagree with that. I'm not there with you. I, I wish that I had. No, I don't wish that I had rewatched it, but I probably should have. No, because then I would have more to say about it. But all I really have to say is that this is one of the most overrated things ever put to film, and um, <laughs> yeah, just uh. I don't get it. Never got it. Okay. Never got it. That's fine. You have to convince me why it's not getting in. I don't think I have an argument. That, I think that's, that's just the problem here. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you have to tell me right now because I want it to get in. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. That, that's why I'm saying it's such a weak year. Uh, I mean, at least there was a plausible, you know, second option to when we didn't let Lawrence of Arabia in because I have similar thoughts on Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Didn't what did we put in that year? Was it uh, 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 the freaking Saint Frank Sinatra movie, Maturing Candidate? That's what we put in. I think so. Interesting. Okay. Which I thought, okay, that's like a plausible second option. I'm not really crazy about many of these movies. I think maybe Repulsion is technically the second best. I think Pawnbroker might be even a little bit better. It's close. Those are the three for me. I mean, I like the idea of putting the first movie with boobs in. <laughs> um, like, do we really need to put like 
you know, we already have Rosemary's Baby in there, and I think we already have Chinatown in there too, right? Yes, we do. So we don't need another Polanski movie in the Hall of Fame. Capaloo, absolutely not. Pared Le, Le Foi, Le Fou, uh, is I, it's a movie that you don't like, and I, I acknowledge that like it's not one of the better Godard movies. So if we didn't put Breathless in, we, we, there's no reason to put Pared Le Foi on there. Um, yeah, and I. I it, I, I get it. I get it. No, I, I sound of music is by far and away the most influential by far and away the most iconic. It's, mm-hmm. it's referenced like crazy. It's songs that everyone still sings. Ariana Grande just put out a cover of my favorite things a few years ago and it was a number one pop hit. So I guess, I guess I wish I had an alternative, but I don't have one. Yeah. The only way it doesn't get in, I guess, is if you were to give me autonomy for a year of my choosing, but I'm not even sure if I want to go I mean, there. what would you, <laughs> put in what would your second choice be here pawnbroker oh that's close actually pawnbroker repulsion i mean repulsion was the greater surprise for me i would say but i'm I'm still leaning more towards sound of music okay i listen i don't feel that strongly about any of these movies to fight you on it uh (laughs) so i'm definitely not going to make a deal with the devil here because yeah that might go poorly so all right fine uh Julie Andrews, welcome. Yay! <laughs> I'm very happy. Abby thanks you, by the way. She loves this movie? Oh, it's her favorite movie. Like, oh! it's, her favorite. it's like her favorite movie next to uh, When Harry Met Sally. What are we doing next week? I don't know. We're, Let's we do don't something have... recent because I'm tired. I'm really oh, me tired. Too, me too, and me... I, like, I actually feel my body like breaking down on me as we're approaching an hour 40 into this podcast you can sense people that nico has been in a mood this entire time i'm all over the place today guys i'm sorry he's a broken individual next week i'm coming back with my fastball you're trying i'm so fucking i'm gonna sleep like 14 hours tonight all right all right hold 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 on what have we not done that's a recent year in the 2000s uh we haven't done <laughs> well i typed in 2004 we have not done 2004 we have not done 2003 or 2004 according to my list uh, 2004 is uh, boy a lot of like good movies not a lot of great ones this is interesting okay right, let's do it then why not i'm fine with that wow let me, okay let me see what we got here Mm. There is a Harry Potter movie on this list, and it's one of the best movies of the year. Please do not. Don't. 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 Well, then we're not doing it. Then we're not doing this year because I can't not nominate that one. Which one is it? The Prisoner of Azkaban. Which is the third one? Yeah, and arguably the best. All right, just do 2003 then. Okay. I don't have the strength to do that this week. Best films my laptop is running low yeah, this on is a weak year too though it's got its its this is, champions this is a weak year well, you got, this is a weak year you got finding nemo you got lost in translation school of rock old boy we're 2003 we're looking kill, at yeah kill bill return of the king and pirates big fish eh, it's not terrible okay so go ahead then nominate away kill bill Kill Bill? Yep. All right, I'll do Lost in Translation. Old Boy. 
Um, <laughs> 2003? Yeah, 2003. Okay, Finding Nemo. Okay. Uh, and to that, I will say... Ooh. We just talked about two of these movies that you know would be in the conversation, but one is already in the Hall of Fame, and one I think we've already talked to death. Um, two thousand three. Wh- yeah. Which what's the one that's been inducted? Uh, Memories of a Murder has been inducted. That was two thousand three. Yes, and Mystic River is the other one. Okay, okay. I I'm I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess you gotta should. <laughs> we've already talked and we uh, talked Lord of the Rings, so I guess we don't need to do that again. Uh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I know you don't want to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, is there uh, any reason to? <laughs> I mean, I love that first movie. So, um, boy, boy. Oh, I, oh. Kinda... There's, there's some, there's some obvious ones here. What have we said so far? Uh, old boy, um, Finding Nemo, Kill Bill, and Lost in Translation. So that's four. Okay. I kind of want to do School of Rock, but eh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I like Last Samurai actually. I feel like there are two very obvious ones here. X2? No. What's the obvious one? I feel like you go Love Actually and Big Fish. Mm. Eh. Eh. No? Eh. We what have the ang? best one. Uh, well, Love Actually. I'm not like crazy on that movie. Oh, boy. Well... Oh, this is always fun. People listening to us go, eh, mm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to do I'll just five? I, I can, wait, what, we've nominated four. You, you're up for the fifth. What are you doing for the fifth? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fucking know. I really need to sit down and commit to Big Fish again, so. You want to do Big Fish? Fuck it, Big Fish. <laughs> now, I can go out there and give you Elephant. Have you ever seen Elephant? Uh, Yeah. That's a tough hang, that movie, but it's really good. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, we wouldn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it, but... <laughs> I don't know. It's up to Lo- you. Love Actually. Love Actually is my sixth. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, all right. I don't think we missed anything. Matchstick Men, I guess, is a good movie. Elf uh, came out I in did... 2003. Elf did? Yeah. Oh, well, Elf should be on here, I guess. No. Elf is great. I think that's right. I think Finding Nemo, Kill Bill, Lost in Translation, Love Actually, Big Fish, and uh, and whatever you said. And Old Boy. Old Boy, yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Unless, okay, you, yeah, unless you want to swap out Big Fish for Matchstick Men or something. I don't have a ton to say about matchstick men i guess i mean i, I sh- that's a movie i would probably need to rewatch. but it's a ve- one of the more interesting ventures by ridley scott that's certainly true yeah we tough talk enough ridley okay yeah, yeah that that's those are the six that's good that's mm-hmm. a fine list okay okay good that's coming next week i can take a breather i think i've seen all of them mm-hmm. so great i can relax good uh there we go anything else I'm good. I'm good too. I'm gonna like. Yeah. I don't know. There was Eat a weird aura going ac- 
coma. What? Why? There was a weird aura in this podcast. Why? To this one in particular. You were just not in it, man. You weren't feeling it. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we also like, we shoved it in at the end of the week. We were going to skip this week and we're like, oh, let's just do it. So people are getting we it should, late. Maybe we should just wait until next week and yeah, whatever. We gotta, we gotta, when, when, when that feeling comes about again, then yeah. I agree. No, I'll be back. I'll, I'll, I'll have my fastball by next week. I, oh. I will have rehabbed and I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> He's in the latter half of his career. People, Nico Guys, is going down. <laughs> I have not slept in three and a half weeks. I haven't slept. That's okay. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Nick. I've spent a lot of time with other friends. You know, that takes its toll on you, man. You've seen Repulsion. You know what that's like. Oh, yeah. That's what you're comparing your experience to? Oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. I wake up in a cold sweat and Nick and Rob are in the bed with me. And I'm just like, what is happening here? Well, this entire experience has been so interesting to me and much like Repulsion, Nico. I've, I'm figuring it out right now. This is the grand reveal. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I love you. I love you so very much. <laughs> Y'all are great. Join the Discord. Find the link on the website, too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media for short. Go into the sidebar. There's a link that says join our Discord. You can talk shit with us. It's mostly us just talking about Tenant on there these days. Uh, talking about Tenant? Yeah, just how we're never going to see it. No, I'm not particularly excited for it anyway. So I'm, I, I'm I have in, I'm totally in exhausted all of my anticipation for Tenet. Yeah, that's part of the issue. All I know is that a Dune trailer is coming out uh, this month. So yeah, okay. let's get excited for that. But we'll still never see that movie. So whatever. No, we won't. Listen, I, we were supposed to see Tenet three weeks ago. So like, sorry, man. Sorry, Chris. You should have just said, we'll see you next year. Yes, it's actually annoyed the shit out of me that he's been so persistent about this. Because even if it's like a great film, I'm still going to be like, okay, yeah, awesome. I'm just well, tired. I'm so tired. Now the plan, I guess, is that they're going to release it. It's going to be a staggered release where it's going to come out overseas first, I think in the middle of August in countries where they're allowed to go to movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And then Labor Day weekend is going to be the first weekend where it's available, which is also a weird weekend for movies anyway it's usually where you bury your ship movies yeah it's going to come out labor day weekend in the states where movie theaters are open but if amc is not open by then it's going to be showing in like a half dozen cinemarks in like alabama you know what i mean so it's going to feel really weird we're like only people in nebraska will have seen tenant but if you live in new york or la you haven't seen it yet does he realize it's going to ruin his career? It'll be a tremendous failure yeah. at the box office. Yeah, it's going to do really poorly at the box office. Even if it's a great movie, it'll still like, yeah, it's going to tank. So I, I don't know if they're going to go through with this. Like if AMC says we are not going to be open anywhere Labor Day weekend, are they actually going to go through with this? God, I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. Just put it out. Just sell it to fucking Netflix. Jesus Christ. Netflix will give you a billion dollars for this movie. This is his obsession with the theater. Netflix will give you whatever you want. That's what he's doing. That, that was, that's the whole reason Dunkirk exists. If you put it, how much would you pay on demand? I would pay $30 to watch it on demand. I'd probably get to it late, but I'd see the movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay nah, well thirty. Yeah, I guess I'd pay thirty bucks. Why not? I'd get like five friends over and we'd split it and we'd watch it. Dude, I play, paid eighty dollars for the Mayweather Pacquiao fight a couple years ago. <laughs> of course, oh, I'd boy. pay thirty dollars for Tenant. 
whatever. Anyway, yeah. I love you. Until next time. I don't got a quote. I'm just going to quote Wet Hot American Summer. You taste like a burger. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs>